You are listening to the sermon podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. is not rocket science. That's a very famous idiom in English, uh, something that we say quite often, and we say it when we want to acknowledge that something is not very complicated. We say that because we know that rocket science is very complicated, so therefore this is not rocket science. When Russia, or at that time the Soviet Union, and America started their space programs in the 1950s, they discovered very quickly how difficult rocket science was. Uh, There were many, many failures. Rockets regularly exploded instead of launching into the sky. And those types of failures continue even to this day. Recently, there's this man named Elon Musk, and uh, he has tried to do something that's even much harder than launching a rocket. He has tried to land a rocket. Uh, Elon Musk is the founder and CEO of of this uh, famous company called Tesla, uh, which is an electric car company, but he also, on the side, runs another company called SpaceX. Musk wanted to do this thing that no one had done up to this point, to land a rocket after using it so that you could reuse that same rocket to launch things into space. If he can land a rocket and use it again, it would cut the cost uh, down very dramatically for launching things into space. So um, they tried and they tried and they tried. Uh, just a couple of days ago, SpaceX launched, uh, they uh, released this video, which was kind of, they called it a blooper reel of all of their failures of this trying to land this rocket on the ground. And uh, they're actually trying to land it, you know, just coming straight down like that. Uh, for a while, they were just trying to land it over the open water to simulate what it would be like to land. And even that would tip over or it would explode or it would fall apart in the water. And then they uh, took a ship out there with no people on it. It was just a flat platform. And they put that out into the ocean with a big target on the center of the ship. And uh, they would lower the, the rocket. And, and many, many times, right before the, lock, the rocket would land, something would go wrong. It would run out of fuel and drop and explode. Or one of the legs fell off one time, so it landed. But then it tipped over and exploded. And uh, this happened over and over again. Over the months, over the years, it turned out this was rocket science. Now, as you watch this video, I found it very fascinating because at the bottom of the screen, they would show why each rocket had failed. There were all sorts of different reasons. And you can uh, find this at space.com or uh, many other websites as well. 
But then, one day, they finally uh, succeeded in landing that rocket on that small platform in the ocean. And then they even started to land the rocket on the land as well. And they've even now reused these rockets to launch another satellite into space. And the cost of spaceflight is now dropping very, very quickly. Now, I share all of this because I feel that it is a good analogy for forgiveness. Forgiveness is difficult. Forgiveness is sort of like rocket science. I think it's as hard as landing a rocket in that exact right place. And I think that we have to do it kind of over and over again in order to learn how to get it right. Uh, Peter asked that question of Jesus. He said, uh, uh, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I am to forgive him? Is it as many as seven times? And Jesus says to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. It's, it's hard to forgive. It's hard especially to forgive again and again. But we all know through our own experience that unforgiveness can be very harmful to us. When we carry that, that bitter seed of unforgiveness, it can eat away at us. It gives birth to anger, it gives birth to hatred, or pride, or stubbornness. Even when it was someone else that had harmed us, we are the ones that continue that harm when we do not forgive. Unforgiveness is like a cancer. It can consume us. It, at times, may even overwhelm us completely. So we don't want that. So just forgive. So just land that rocket on that little circle in that ship that's bobbing up and down in the ocean. Make sure that the rocket doesn't tip over and explode into a million pieces. My point is that this stuff is hard. So I thought maybe I would be practical today and not just talk about theory. I want to give you some practical, actual tips on forgiveness. And I'd like to share with you three of those so that we can work toward doing this 77 times as Jesus has, has commanded us. Which, by the way, doesn't mean 77. It means without limit. It means forgive and forgive and forgive. So here's the first practical tip. Forgiveness is a process. Now here I'm not talking about God's forgiveness. Uh, that, of course, is absolute. It was completed through Jesus' death and resurrection. We don't go through a process to earn this. It is a free gift received by faith. Uh, we Lutherans are kind of famous for mentioning that. I am talking about our forgiveness toward one another. It rarely happens in this kind of all-at-once moment. It often happens over a period of time. So in our Old Testament reading, Joseph's brothers, they were very nervous and they were hoping that Joseph would forgive them. 
Because he had the power to seek revenge. He could have done anything he wanted to them. And remember, they, you know, they sold him into slavery out of jealousy after thinking about killing him. And Joseph ended up in prison for years and years. I can imagine just every night in that pit, in that little dungeon, just thinking of, he must have just imagined what he would do to his brothers. But instead, Joseph says to them, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Well, that's easy. He forgave them, right? End of story. It sounds so simple. But we know that that's not the whole story. Uh, I just read the book of Genesis recently once again, so it's kind of fresh in my head. Joseph's forgiveness was definitely a process that he worked through. He messed with his brothers for a while. He kept his identity secret. He threatened them. He threw one of them into jail. He tricked them into thinking that he would enslave Benjamin, the youngest of them. And he cried. He cried a lot. He showed them kindness and mercy along the way as well. It seems like he he wanted to forgive, but he was struggling. It was a long process, but it was one that, in the end, forgiveness did win out. And Joseph accepted all of the bad that had happened to him as part of God's greater plan. When we are struggling with forgiveness toward someone, we should remember that It may not happen all at once, but it's something that we work toward. Of course, we know that time helps. Time heals things a little bit. So often then we also see how God has used things, even tragic things, to bring about good. And sometimes things that seem like a really big deal at the time, after a while, they also kind of shrink in importance as well. My point is that it can take a while to work through it. My second tip for forgiveness is thinking that, remembering that forgiveness is about action and not about feeling. Uh, We live in a time and in a culture that emphasizes feelings and emotions above almost anything else. And, And right now I'm talking about Western culture. Uh, So, like, when we think of the concept of love, we almost automatically, we think of things like falling in love and the feelings of fondness and affection, or we think of romantic love. But we know from reading scripture and from Jesus that love traditionally was thought of more through action. It was associated with things like commitment and self-sacrifice. So Jesus loved us not by having feelings about us. He loved us by giving himself up, by sacrificing himself for us. So forgiveness is the same way. Uh, We may not feel like we have forgiven someone. But what is more important are our actions toward that person. Uh, Do we continue to bring up a past wrong? Do we belittle them? Do we talk poorly about them to other people? Do we go over in our minds uh, the ways that we could get even with them? 
do we allow anger or hatred to rise up in our hearts when we think of that person? In our forgiveness, it's more important to look at how we are actually treating people than to focus on how we feel at any given moment. Sometimes the pain and the hurt will remain for a very long time. But it's still more about doing the right thing than having our feelings uh, catch up to where our actions are. Okay, everything is better in three, so here's our third tip. Remember the huge sum that has been forgiven us. In the parable that Jesus uh, gave to his disciples, the servant uh, shows complete and total ingratitude. Uh, he was forgiven. You know, this number, 10,000 talents, is, a, is like $100 billion. It's a, it's a, a vast, vast sum. And he forgets about it. He acts ruthlessly to uh, not forgive a much smaller amount that was owed to him. It's hard to stay angry. It's hard not to forgive when we think about Jesus on the cross. When we think about our own great sin load that was placed upon him, upon his shoulders as he suffered for us. You see, it's all about where our focus is. When we are caught in a pattern of unforgiveness, our focus is usually turned inward. Uh, we are focused on our own victimhood. We are focused on our pain. We are focused on what they did to us. Basically, we're kind of consumed within ourselves. But when our focus turns toward Christ, turns toward the cross and what he has done for us and the great amount of debt that he has forgiven us, suddenly everything else looks small in comparison. It helps us put things in perspective. So those are the three tips. Uh, we remember that forgiveness is a process. We remember to focus on actions more than feelings. Uh, we remember how much God has forgiven us uh, so that we would then move our way toward forgiveness of others. But before I close, I do want to actually add one more important thing. I'm calling it a bonus tip for you. And uh, this is that we need to remember about forgiving ourselves. I have known many, many people whose greatest struggle is not unforgiveness toward others. It's often unforgiveness toward themselves. Uh, this is what we call self-condemnation. It's very common. And it can be a vicious cycle. Remember that if God has forgiven you, you have no right to withhold forgiveness from even yourself. Paul speaks about this in Romans. Uh, there's this nice verse. I'm actually going to begin one verse earlier, verse 33. He says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us. So who is to condemn? 
No one. We neither condemn others nor can we condemn ourselves because Christ is the one who died and more than that was raised. We have no basis to condemn anyone, especially not ourselves, because he is there standing at the right hand of the Father pleading on our behalf. Now, this is one of those Gospels where I got to the end and I said, this is the Gospel of the Lord, but the last thing I read wasn't very gospel at all, right? He says something about, this is what my Father's going to do to every one of you if you don't forgive your brother. He's going to throw you in jail forever until you can pay the debt. That scares me a little bit. This is a heavy parable, and that's because unforgiveness is a big deal. If it ever takes over completely, it does put your faith and your salvation in peril. And that's why it's so important that, that we uh, connect with God on this one. Uh, but when we do turn toward God, He always helps us. He always helps us work through any unforgiveness that we have. And in His timing, we can accomplish even the impossible, even landing some rocket you know, straight up on this tiny little ship. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.